And welcome to another episode of the Tech.eu podcast. I'm Roxanne Barza, and I'm here with Tech.eu editor Robin Waters. Hi, Robin. Hey, Roxy. How are you? Good. We are back with a great lineup of topics, including Tesla, which has acquired a German-based engineering company, the European Commission, which announced it would be injecting another 400 million euros into startup funding, a few startups that announced funding this week, including Team Leader, Currency Fair, and Job Today. Robin, you interviewed. Poland-based doc planner, and we'll wrap it up with a startup feature on Berlin-based AR company called German Auto Labs. So let's jump right in with Tesla's acquisition of German-based engineering company Groman. I'm pretty sure I don't need to introduce Tesla for our listeners, but what's really interesting about this acquisition is that Tesla stated it was their first acquisition of significance in the entire history of the company. So that means since the electric car company was founded in 2003. I've never heard about Groman until now. There's relatively little information about the company online, but what I do know, it's an older company founded in 1963. They have five global offices, two in the US, two in Germany, one in Shanghai. The financial terms of the deal were undisclosed, but it is going to be part of Tesla's manufacturing. And so now Tesla will have a unit called Tesla Advanced Automation in Germany. Prior to the deal, actually, Groman's headcount was around 700, and this deal should add another 1,000 engineers to the division, primarily engineers and skilled technicians. And when Elon Musk commented on the deal, he stated that he felt it was important that Tesla become, in part, a German company, which I think is super interesting. Super interesting indeed. Uh, And also to see how the new way of making cars Uh, which is what a lot of people would say Tesla does, uh, still really needs old school engineering chops to be able to ramp up its manufacturing capabilities, which it will really need to for the model that they're coming out with, the Model 3. Um, So as you've correctly pointed out, there's not much knowledge to be found on Groman online, uh, but it's definitely one of the world leaders in advanced automated manufacturing. Buying the company outright instead of merely partnering with them gives Tesla quite an edge uh, when it comes to speeding up and streamlining its vehicle production processes. Uh, But I actually wouldn't be surprised if their new German outfit also ends up playing a role in other products such as the batteries and the solar roofs and and whatever else Tesla comes up with in the next few years. Now, the deal hasn't closed yet. There will be some time in early 2017 if regulators approve it. But I think it's worth pointing out that Germany has long been such an important part of the global car manufacturing and distribution industry. And Elon Musk stating that it's important for Tesla to become in part a German company really, really underscores that. Um, Imagine the talent that they can attract now that they have an engineering base in in Deutschland. So that's that's going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, And finally, there there was some more Europe-related news from Tesla this week, um, which is uh, slated to build its second Giga factory uh, after the one in Nevada in the States here in Europe. So it will be interesting to see where Musk actually plants that you know, giga flag next. Um, it might be Germany, it might be UK, uh, but really it might be anywhere because he hasn't really specified it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting uh, to see that kind of the, the big car manufacturers, that quality still comes from Europe and that even uh, the newest and most innovative car companies still want that tied to Europe. So it's really great to see that from Tesla. 
Now we have the European Commission and the EIF that made an interesting announcement this past week at Web Summit. They announced the creation of a new 400 million euro fund of funds for European startups. So it's called the Venture Capital Fund of Funds. The goal is to invest a number of VC funds across Europe. They claim that they'll be able to commit up to 300 million to a single fund and their commitment will be capped at 25% of whatever the fund's total is. So Robin, I don't know, but it just sounds like for a fund of funds, 400 million actually doesn't seem like that much, especially when we talk about covering the entire continent. What do you think? What do I think? Um, so first of all, I think the news is sort of buried under the barrage of stuff coming out of Lisbon this week from Web Summit, um, which is unfortunate. Um, I was at the Web Summit and even then I didn't really caught the news until I read it online, um, even though I think it's an interesting move. So secondly, there's unfortunately something fairly complicated about these public to private funds of funds. So uh, it's a little bit too much to explain the, the finer mechanics of it. But uh, uh, I think it's important to note that the EIF, uh, so the European Investment Fund and the European Commission are indeed committing up to 400 million euros to the fund. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the size of the fund. It would be strange for them not to invest in the fund. But as you say, they capped it at 25%. So that means the private sector is going to top up the rest of the fund. So that, that means that they can essentially attract up to $1.6 billion, uh, with commitments from the private sector. And that's only the beginning, right? This is the first step. So it might be even more in the future. Now, even then, you could still argue that it's not that huge amount of money considering the, the, the size and the scope of, of Europe and the ecosystems here. But of course, there are also other types of funds of funds being set up in Europe as we speak, some also publicly funded, some completely private, uh, some only investing in secondary rounds, and some you know, focused on micro VCs. So there's a lot of things going on. There are new types of LPs investing in new types of venture capital firms. So you know, the whole industry is sort of shifting before our eyes as certain ecosystems mature rapidly, and others are kind of at risk of being left behind uh, when it comes to the capital deployment. Um, so in that sense, a pan-European fund of funds um, should be welcomed. Now, on the other hand, there's some criticism about the European Investment Fund being a little too supportive uh, for the VC industry here in Europe. And I can kind of also understand that. I mean, they're invested in almost every VC fund worth it's sold, apart from some big ones who don't really need them, uh, such as Excel Partners is one, and I believe also Index Ventures. But this is essentially taxpayers' money finding its way into early-stage startups, which continues to be you know, quite a risky category of business. So, you know, you can argue either way. We need it, uh, and I'm sure we wouldn't be where we are uh, without the EIF. But, you know, do we need them to have, you know, this size from the funds instead of the private sector and private equity funds coming up with their own plans? So you can argue either way. Yeah, and I think we always hear either way <laughs> being argued. I do also find it really interesting that, I mean, People criticize a lot public money and, and state funding for, for huge uh, funds in Europe. But I do think that when you throw out names like Axel and Index that are receiving this money, um, you can also see that it's it's going not just to you know generic funds, but also to very top-level tier one funds in Europe. And I, I do think that's really interesting and potentially something that we should keep up. But now, as with every week, we had loads of European startups that announced funding. And this week, we thought it would be great to highlight a few, including Belgium-based Team Leader, Ireland-based Currency Fair, and Luxembourg-based Job Today. Yep, we're going to start with Belgium uh, because that's where I live and work. Um, so we have a team leader that scored a uh, 10 million euro round. Uh, so this is a Ghent-based uh, startup. They develop a CRM platform. Um, it's essentially made for SMEs, um, so they can use it for CRM, project management, and invoicing, uh, and 
potentially a lot more in the future. Um, so they, they really want to build tools that can cater to a wide range of SMEs, which is you know very difficult because that's a large group of customers. Um, now, the funding was led by a previous investor called Fortino Capital, and the money should help the company scale and develop across Europe. Now, on the company's blog, they stated that they are currently working with about 3,500 customers uh, and about 200 new ones joining every month. So that's you know quite a good growth rate. Uh, the company currently has a team of about 100 people with offices in Amsterdam, Madrid, and Berlin, um, aside from Ghent. And they also plan to open in France and Italy soon. Yeah, next on the list, we have Irish peer-to-peer currency exchange platform Currency Fair that announced an 8 million round of funding and a new CEO. The Dublin-based company secured funding from Octopus Ventures and Frontline Ventures. Alongside the funding announcement, they announced that they had added Paul Byrne as CEO, uh, who was previously the founder of software company Trintech. What's interesting is this round comes only eight months after their previous round, where they also raised 8 million. So that was in March of this year. And this this funding round brings Currency Fair's total funding up to 28 million, which is a huge gap from the 117 million raised by their rival TransferWise. Yes, very true. But I was actually just at their offices when I was at Sostock in Dublin in September, end of September. And, you know, they really don't compare themselves to TransferWise for some reason. Um, but I also had an interview with one of the founders, so we'll run that next week. And hopefully that will explain kind of the difference between the two. Yeah, interesting rounds. And now the third startup funding story we will feature this week is Luxembourg-based Job Today. Um, they announced a 20 million euro round of funding. Um, so it isn't every day you hear about a Luxembourg-based company doing this type of round. The company is some super heavy-duty backers, uh, including Excel Partners, uh, Mangrove Capital, um, which is based in Luxembourg, and Felix Capital. And this is the kind of company that, you know, whenever I ask about Luxembourg, this is the company that comes up in conversation. So I'm guessing this is the one that kind of breaks out the local ecosystem. Now, Job Today says they're different from other recruitment sites in that they help job seekers find same-day work uh, in stores, restaurants, bars, that type of work. Um, The company is quite young. It was only created in May 2015, but already they say 2 million people are using the platform and over 150,000 businesses have signed up. So companies raised over 30 million to date. Uh, They plan to use the new capital to go global. So apparently two markets where the product is doing very well include the UK and Spain where they also have a big competitor, by the way, in job and talent. Um, But the next market they plan to enter is Germany. So that will be interesting. Yeah, I think definitely three great companies to keep an eye on. And now, Robin, you had a chance to interview Peter Bialo, CFO and board member of Warsaw-based Doc Planner at Web Summit in Lisbon last week. Hey, this is Robin Waters. I'm uh, here at the Web Summit in Lisbon. I'm here with Peter from Doc Planner. What's Doc Planner? Doc Planner is a uh, marketplace linking doctors and patients. Uh, we're actually the biggest uh, marketplace of this type in the world when you look at traffic figures. Uh, and we're, we're now in about 30 markets, uh, monetizing 20 of them, uh, and we're excited to do more. Um, give me some basics. When were you founded? Where are you based? Uh, how many people? Sure. So we, uh, we were founded in 2012 in Warsaw, uh, quickly expanded to other markets. Um, we're up to uh, four offices now. So uh, Warsaw, Istanbul, Rome, and Barcelona. Um, we've got a team of about 250 people, mostly uh, IT and sales. You made an announcement just a few months ago that was kind of a big deal for you, uh, merging with Dr. Alia and raising funding. Can you briefly elaborate on that? 
Sure. Yeah, it's been a busy four months since that uh, that announcement back in June. So we've uh, started integrating the, the the platforms. We started integrating the teams. Um, we see uh, some good traction already in the sales numbers in a lot of the Dr. Alia markets where we've uh, implemented outbound sales. Um, so we're yeah definitely excited to do more. The teams are uh, on the same page. Uh, the cultural fit seems to be great, um, and the products are quite similar. So um, we're super happy with the deal. Can you walk me through the actual products that you just mentioned? Uh, what does DocPlanner actually offer? Do you offer software for patients, doctors, or both? Yeah, so we've actually got something for both. So on the patient side, a patient can basically review, look through all the listings of a doctor of all the doctors in a uh, in a given market. They can um, read real patient opinions about those doctors, and then they can also make a booking with three clicks for uh, for a private visit. So um, it's quite uh, it's quite a way of um, making the market more transparent and uh, enabling uh, quick quick booking. Um, on the doctor side, we um, we provide the doctors with a simple cloud um, agenda management tool. Um, so basically, they can. Um, use the, uh, the doc planner software as a uh, simple practice management tool, which on the one hand um, accepts patients from the online platform, um, and on the other hand lets them insert all their walk-in patients from the street, from the telephone. It also sends uh, patient reminders to their patients, so the, um, their, their time's better spent as the uh, no-show rate falls down. And otherwise, they um, they also use our uh, call center service, which means they outsource um, a lot of their reception services, which means that they um, don't receive as many calls as they used to. It's quite an offer you have there. When the merger is over and done with, the transition is, has happened. What's the next step? Yeah, so we're, like I mentioned, we're, we're in a lot of different markets right now. Um, we're really focused on, on six, and that being uh, Poland, Turkey, Italy, um, Spain, Mexico, and Brazil. Um, so the way we see it now is we're pretty happy with those markets. There's like a million doctors that we that we can still target. We've got less than one percent of those mark of those doctors actually as paying clients right now. So the potential is huge. Once we've got all those doctors on the platform, we'll think about next steps uh, in terms of either going to new markets or going deeper down the value chain and adding a lot more services. So when you say new markets, does that include the big ones, Russia, U.S., China, or do you not want to venture into those? Those are those are actually tricky markets that you mentioned. So we've consciously consciously skipped them um, up till now. They also have pretty strong local players. So I think the only way we 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 do uh, entry into one of those is through an acquisition or a deal. But we are, for example, you know, we've been approached by players in smaller markets like Egypt and the, and the Middle East and South Africa and Greece, um, where there are pretty strong local players, just really smaller markets. But markets that we understand better and probably fit a bit better are similar, more similar to the doc planner markets than like a US or a UK. Just to wrap up, give me some quick thoughts on the Polish uh, startup ecosystem. It's it's up and coming. Um, I'm disappointed, like I mentioned to you before we were chatting, that uh, we haven't had a unicorn yet, which is surprising for a country of 40 million. So we're, 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 we're aiming to be the first one. But definitely the VC scene is picking up. Um, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot more investment than, than a couple of years back. Um, we also have a couple of good, strong Polish partners at Western Funds that um, that understand the Polish market better, so they're more willing and more open to investing in Poland. So, yeah, come come to Poland, come check us out. And hopefully, Dockland will be that lone unicorn someday. Who knows? Thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot, Robert. Take care. And finally, we decided to wrap up this podcast with a new startup feature. So this week, we'll take a look at German-based German Auto Labs. The Berlin-based company has a super interesting product. Essentially, they're using AI to develop speech and gesture recognition software to help drivers stay safe on the road while they interact with various in-car applications. So they're kind of calling what they do a digital co-driver. 
For the founder, Holger Weiss, the new technology is still causing distracted drivers. Um, even with driverless cars, we still need drivers to be focused when they're behind the wheel. So products like Siri and Alexa um, have kind of made speech recognition become much more common, but now they want to develop something specific for the car, and they're hoping it will become indispensable to any driver. They just raised $2.2 million a few months ago, or I think it was actually a few weeks ago, with Target Ventures. Yep, very fitting for this podcast, which we kicked off with Tesla establishing a base in Germany. And now startups like these uh, showcasing that there's still a ton of talent working on interesting car or transportation-related technology in the country. So I don't have much to add on German Auto Labs. The product sounds definitely intriguing, but it's obviously a very early stage. So we'll have to wait and see uh, what they come up with. Uh, one thing I will add, though, is that the founder that you mentioned, Holger Weiss, He's not exactly a spring chicken venturing into an, an unknown world here. Uh, I mean, he played a, a massive part in establishing and growing Gate 5 uh, out of Berlin in the early 2000s uh, until Nokia acquired them. So this was a mapping, routing, and navigation software um, company. They acquired them in 2006, and Holger actually stayed on with Nokia for a while as as Gate 5 was used to in, underpin here, uh, which was recently acquired by a conglomerate of, of car makers in Germany. So you can kind of see that he has a history here. He actually went on to lead a company called Opeo. Uh, and that was a music streaming personalized radio service company uh, that was very much in vogue with the automotive industry for a while um, before it was acquired again, this time by, by Panasonic. So, you know, this is a guy with a lot of experience. So uh, all this just to say that his involvement is enough to keep a very close eye on German Auto Labs. And that brings us to the end of our podcast. We thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud if you're a fan. Tell all your friends. And you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Roxanne Varza and at Robin Waters. And you should and can also follow TechEU. We're tech underscore EU. Thank you so much, Roxanne, and hope to have you back listening next week. Bye, Roxanne. Bye, Robin.